Uh, let me see. There was something else here. I have my. I had somebody's text open on purpose. Yeah, I know this is really professional. I know. Robert Reed texted me earlier this morning, and uh, Melanie is not feeling well today at all, as well as their grandson. He is sick. That's Joe and Elizabeth's uh, kiddo. If you know them, we need to be praying for them. And so, and Robert said, pray for me too, because he has to put up with Melanie. So, yeah, well, you know. Mel, if she was here, she'd appreciate that joke. All right, everybody, we're going to be preaching, as I suggested last week, that if the Lord didn't change it, we were going to be preaching on the subject of faith today. And uh, faith is one of those subjects that gets treated a lot, and a, a, a massive amount of time is spent on the subject of faith. And I'm going to be quite frank with you, um, despite the obvious... Uh, input from Scripture, it's been a long time coming for me to really understand the concept and the uh, um, substance of what faith is. Um, I want to say a couple of things before we get started on this message. First of all, when I speak today about faith, I am not speaking about the faith that is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. That's a different faith. That faith comes under the heading of the spiritual gifts given to whomever he pleases by the Holy Spirit. That's a different thing than what we're talking about this morning. Okay? You say, I don't even have, have any idea what you're talking about. That's okay. You have time to learn. Amen? And that's not, I'm not being funny. I'm being serious. Um, along with the other spiritual gifts, there is a spiritual gift bestowed upon those whom he chooses called the gift of faith. This is not that. Okay? What we're talking about this morning is the acquisition of faith as a spiritual attribute in your life. That's what this faith, this conversation, this discussion is about. Something that you began to acquire and build the moment the Spirit of Almighty God opened your eyes and your heart and your mind and your spirit to God's holy redemption plan through Jesus Christ. Okay? There's not a single affirmation in the crowd. Let's just take it for granted that I know what I'm talking about. It's one of those things where it's like, I, I, I love this about church. Terry, uh, D.Y., our, our district youth director, you're probably going to find this very relatable. It's, it's fascinating how church folk trust you week in and week out to bring the eternal Word of God to help uh, secure um, their eternity in Christ by preaching the truth of God's Word until you say something they don't like and then they know more than you do. I find that fascinating. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, 
me going up to Vicky here and saying, let me tell you about finance. Vicki does not only own her own finance company, she's operated in the financial world for years. For me, to tell, for me to tell her that I know something about finances to put her to sleep drooling in a chair, that would be essentially what is the... Anyway, the other thing that I wanted to mention to you since I went off on that tangent is that with respect to faith, there are so many facets to this incredible gem of reality in the kingdom of God, that there is no way on planet Earth that in one or two messages I could ever touch on the, the, the breadth and the width and the height and the depth of what faith is. But I'm going to approach this in an attempt to explain this morning and possibly not next week, but three weeks in the future, what the underpinning of faith is. Okay? With that said, I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject simply entitled, Faith. When we talk about faith, what is it that we're actually talking about? If I was to pull a man-on-the-street move right now and start walking through this congregation with a, with a microphone asking you to explain to me the concept and the idea of faith, I would get all kinds of different uh, descriptors. But the funny thing about faith is that faith is one of those things that can be very difficult to define without using the actual word faith to describe it. In fact, it's probably a whole lot easier to describe what faith isn't as opposed to what faith is. Now, I warn you, going into this, I am not attempting to be funny. But I've just seen a lot. Okay? First, faith is not a magic ingredient. Faith is not an, if I have enough of whatever faith is, then maybe, just maybe, I'll trigger God into giving me whatever it is that I need or that I want kind of hope. That is not faith. Faith is not a made-in-desperation promise to God that says to Him, if you'll do whatever it is that I'm asking you for, then I'll do whatever it is you ask me to do, what you want out of me, kind of hope, so help you Him. Faith is not hoping for the best, keeping your fingers crossed, wishful thinking, flying by the seat of your pants in the hope that God shows up. And when He doesn't show up, you're left asking why. 
Faith is not cotton candy, buttercups, unicorns, puppy dogs, and rainbows, power of positive thinking. Faith is not finicky, flaky, flighty, fantasy, or fairy tales. So, if all of that is not what faith is, what is faith then? Well, in quite possibly the most famous scripture in all of the canon about faith, the first verse of the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews tells us exactly what faith is. This is coming from the New King James Version of the Bible. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now, ponder that for just a moment. That's one of those scriptures that we like to quote and that we like to cite in our need, desire, drive to understand faith in our own life and in our own living because more often than not, what we call faith doesn't end up manifesting in the way we thought that it was going to or that it should. And the reason that that is the case I might offer this morning is that we don't really understand what faith is, what that means, and therefore we approach our life and our living in Christ from an erroneous point of reference that we have nothing firm and foundational to place it on when times of belief come into perspective. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Is that not ironic? Is that not an irony? Substance and evidence of things hoped for but not seen. So based on our text this morning, faith is in fact... Not the things hoped for, not the things unseen, but faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Substance here, if you're a note taker, you're going to want to get this. Substance here meeting, listen now, a setting under. Support. And it is evidence, which means simply proof. If you've ever watched a TV show or a movie requiring police or lawyers, you understand the concept of proof. It's evidence. Faith, then, by definition, is both substance and evidence, support and proof. That's faith. I realize that that may throw a wrench 
into how you've perceived faith. That you have perceived what you have hoped for is your faith. It is not. Faith is substance and evidence. Support and proof. That's what faith is. In fact, if faith are, is those things, substance, evidence, support, and proof, then faith can't be any of those things that I mentioned just a moment ago because none of those things have any substance to them at all. The idea of blind faith doesn't exist for the believer in Christ. I realize that some of you are asking the question, why not? We'll get there. Now, I'm going to give you a very crude illustration here. But if I do my job and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help me do my job, then you'll understand. Let's say, just for the purpose of our discussion this morning, that this tabletop, this tabletop, I need this tabletop to be held securely in place right here. Why? So that I can put my Bible, and I can put my phone, and I can put my message here, so that I can go about the job this morning of preaching to you. But I need this tabletop to sit right here. I need it here. Now, everybody here would be blown away. If I walked out on the stage with that tabletop under my arm, set it here, and it just sat there, floating in midair. How is that happening? Well, everybody blows, you know, I belong in Branson, right? i got a show in Branson. But the reality this morning is I do need this tabletop. For a specific reason, I need this tabletop to be right here this morning. If my need, then, if what I'm hoping for is for this tabletop to stay here while I minister, then these legs are my faith. Why? The legs are my substance. And my evidence that the table top is held in place. I don't ever have to walk out here and worry if that table top is going anywhere at all. Because the legs are its support. They are proof that this is going to stay here. I know that this table top will stay right here where I need it. Because of the legs. This goes for anything that you and I hope for but don't see yet. In order to have my hopes realized, I need to have something of substance to put my belief in. More than crossing my fingers and really hoping that God shows up. 
things that are hoped for, the things that are not seen, are not tangible things. You're hoping for a thing that has not yet occurred. You are hoping for something that is not seen to come to realization. Those things are exactly as described. They are hoped for and they are unseen. However, something that makes up substance and evidence is tangible. I hope this tabletop stays here. But my faith is in this, that it's going to. How many of you are getting a completely different perspective on faith this morning? I dare say based on the silence in this Pentecostal room, I would say to a man or a woman. Something that is substance and evidence is concrete. Things that can be relied on and depended on to support one's belief in a thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I would submit to you this morning that we need to find out what that is. How many of you, taking my crude illustration, would walk out on this stage with that tabletop, hold it out in front of you and go, and then you'd have to preach on your knees down here? Because it would find itself on the floor without the legs. In chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. Now, we're going to have to take a walk this morning, okay? Are you all with me? All right. Chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, beginning in verses 32 through 39, the writer of Hebrews here gives this encouragement-filled kind of pep talk reminder concerning the trials that the Hebrew believers had experienced. Now, the Hebrew believers we're talking about are not the Hebrew believers in the very next chapter. We're talking about the author of Hebrews is writing in chapter 10, verses 32 through 39, to those who received the book of Hebrews, and the writer is attempting to encourage those readers. Okay? And so he gives them this encouragement-filled reminder about all of the trials and the crises that these Hebrew believers had experienced. And he dig that so as to build up those believers in their faith. Okay? Now, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture here, verses 35 through 39, to set the context for our text, chapter 1, verse 11. And this is what the author of Hebrews writes, beginning in verse 35. So, obviously he's listed a bunch of stuff, right? So, do not throw away your confidence. Obviously, these believers have shown confidence. In other words, they have displayed a faith in the face of trials. So don't throw away your, your, your confidence. It will be rich, It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere 
so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For, and here he starts quoting, in just a little while, He who is coming and will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. So after speaking to these Hebrew believers, beginning in verse 32, telling them all the stuff that they've gone through, making them understand, don't stop now. Because if you'll just persevere, the Lord is going to richly reward you. And then he quotes the Bible by saying that, don't worry, it's not going to be long and he's going to arrive back here and he's not going to delay in doing it. Then he moves on and says, on the other hand, on the other hand, my righteous one, that's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about believers. My righteous one, that's you and me. Okay? My righteous one will live by faith. And he says that the Lord says, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. I, I'm, I'm not going to find pleasure in the person who just decides, I'm sorry, I've had enough. I'm clocking out of this. And then the writer goes on in the last verse of chapter 10, but we do not belong, trying to be encouraging again, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But listen to what the state, listen to the st- statement. But of those who have Faith. Oh, this is NIV. I'm reading from the New... Yeah, okay. But those who have faith are saved. Okay? So he introduces the word faith right here. Explaining to them, don't fade. Don't give up. You need to have faith because you'll be rewarded for it. Well, that's where he ends chapter 10. Right there. And... It's, it's, maybe it's just my mind and how I read and how I perceive, but it's like between chapter 10, verse 39, right there. And the, in the next chapter, verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1, it's almost as though, it's almost like there is this unspoken kind of question hovering in the air. But of those who have faith, and are saved. That's who we belong to. Those who have faith and are saved. Stop. Pause. It's as though right there, before we move into verse 1, chapter 11, there's this kind of question, just kind of hovering in the air, almost as though this, the stuff that was written in this, this, this chapter Chapter 10, by the, by the writer, anticipates, and then, then, he, then he sets about answering. Right here in verse 1 of chapter 11, this unspoken question might have gone something like this. Right there, between the last verse and the first verse. Okay, I'm a Hebrew. I'm receiving this letter. I'm reading this. I've got some serious stuff going on in my life. I'm experiencing a lot of crisis, a lot of trial. If this is how I'm supposed to live, what then is faith? How am I supposed to live this out? How do I continue doing this? And it's right there. 
that the writer opens up chapter 11 in an effort to both explain as well as define what faith is by penning the famous words that comprise our text. Now, faith is substance. All the stuff you're hoping for, this is the substance that underpins it, that gives it support. This is the, this is the substance that comes under it. All that unseen stuff, your faith, this is the evidence that those things are before the Lord and they will come to pass. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. At this point, the writer proceeds to present to these Hebrew converts this extensive list all throughout chapter 11 taken straight out of the archives of Hebrew history so as to precisely, exactly illustrate what faith is and what it looks like when it's put into action. He's explaining to these converts, this is what it looks like and you know every one of these people. That's why he brought it out of the archives of Hebrew history. He did this by using a bunch of historical examples. Both individuals, people, as well as events. All of which were well known by these Hebrew readers. And he introduces each example with the phrase, by faith. Now, I need to make something very clear right here. Since we're talking about the rest of that chapter, chapter 11. It's extremely important that when we read through these examples found throughout chapter 11 of Hebrews, that we read these examples correctly. Because when the author pens the words, by faith, the author doesn't mean that we, you and I, that we believe by faith that these things occurred. That we you and I need to believe these things. That's not what that means. With the exception of verse 3, chapter 11, verse 3, with that singular exception, which says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, With that singular exception, by faith throughout chapter 11 means that by the people that are being written about, by their faith, those people, those things occurred or these things took place by their faith, not ours. In fact, when reading chapter 11 and reading the words by faith, you could insert because of their faith. And you might get a clearer understanding of exactly what faith is. Because of their faith, this happened. Because of their faith, this occurred. And we get, we get an idea exactly what faith is and what faith looks like when it's put into action. This is a very important distinction. Since we mentioned Hebrews 11... 
and 3. Just a moment ago, I think it's pertinent that we look at that verse just a little closer. By faith, by substance and evidence, by support and by proof, we understand. Did you catch that word? We understand. Did you notice what that word isn't? That word isn't, we believe. There it is. In six-inch letters. It's not the word believe. By faith, we understand. The word understand here in the Greek means to exercise your mind. To observe and to comprehend. By faith... By substance and evidence, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Hmm. In other words, we understand that God formed the universe because we have exercised our mind. We've used our eyes and our brains to observe that at His command, God formed the universe. We comprehend that. Romans 1 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's, listen now, invisible qualities. Right here, the author of the book of Romans qualifies what those qualities are. His eternal power and His divine nature. Those things are invisible. Have been clearly seen. We can perceive God, the the unseeable, through what has been seen. Clearly seen being what? Understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, God and His holy writers suggest to us that What you look around outside in this world, you look around and you perceive, is so painfully obvious simply by using your brain to understand that God made this and it did not arbitrarily evolve. That people who don't believe that are without excuse. I can, and this is just me, And I'm going to channel my inner Jehovah through upstate New York. And God's going to look at them and say, what's the matter for you, you stupid or what? What's the matter for you? You can't see me. What, you talking to me? What, are you stupid? They're without excuse. They have no excuse when they stand before God because... What we don't see of God is exercised. It is manifest in everything that we see around about us. And to to think that it just happened. God's going to go New Yorker on you.
The word understood here in Romans 1 is the exact same Greek word as used in Hebrews chapter 11.3. Those two words are the same word. So in reality, faith, the substance and the evidence, the support and the proof, comes as a result of observing God's actions, His words, His deeds. And since faith is substance and evidence, and we use that to engage our brains so that we understand that God has done, then, or what God has done, then faith can be boiled down to looking around at the substance and the evidence, at the support and the proof, essentially seeing what is, and based on that, believing that there is a God. Because there is no other logical, plausible, intelligent explanation for what we see and we experience. Oh, wait, I forgot. There's actually a scripture verse for that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without substance and evidence, it is impossible to please God. Without support and proof, it is impossible to please God. Because, look at that, because anyone who comes to Him, now listen to this, must believe that He exists. The King James here says is. Must believe that He is and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Verse 6 here of chapter 11 speaks more truth than we ever give it credit for. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. If faith is substance and evidence, if faith is support and proof, and this is what faith is based on the definition supplied to us by the Word of God. This isn't my theology. This isn't my tradition. This is the Word of God. And then, that definition is substantiated by historical examples of real people living by that faith, then we might just need to re-examine, even rethink how we view faith. Let's look closer at Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. The word exists here is the word is in the KJV, as I've already said. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And that's a study all in itself. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. 
I am has sent me to you. He, God, introduced himself as I am. Our responsibility is to believe that he is. He said I am. We have to say he is. Why do we need to do that? Because if we don't, we will not please God. You guys got to follow the trail that we're leaving here. You guys got to follow this scriptural trail. Back to Hebrews 11.6. Without substance and evidence, without support and proof, it is impossible to please God. Now I'm going to paraphrase all over the place here, okay? It is impossible to completely gratify God without substance and evidence, without support and proof. You can't please Him without faith. Because, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Not hope that He exists. Not think that He might exist. He must believe We must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. If you are earnestly seeking God, then you believe that He is. If you do not earnestly seek God, your your He is quotient is under question. You see, in order to earnestly seek someone, they have to be there to seek. Essentially, verse 6 of chapter 11 is actually giving you more information than you even know you have with respect to God. And He is a rewarder of those, or He rewards those who earnestly seek Him, who, here's a word in the, in the Greek, who crave Him. We talked about craving briefly last week. Verse 6 is context begins in verse 5. It's almost noon, and I am about halfway through. So I'm going to have to pause this message and come back in a month and finish this message. But let's look at the context of verse 6, Hebrews uh, verse 6, the context of that statement that without faith it's impossible to starts in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So, if he pleased God, according to verse 6, what did he do? He had faith. Because without it, it's impossible to please God. And God says of himself, I never change. So, in Enoch's day, he had to have faith to please God. Same as in our day today, we have to have faith to please God. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we move into verse 6. So the entire concept of pleasing God, it being impossible to please Him without faith, begins with a discussion about Enoch of all people. Enoch. And I want to continue going on, but it's noon and I can't. So with that said, let's put a pause on this. And in three weeks, I will be back to preach the rest of this message. And we will get to the bottom of all of the cans of worms that I have effectively opened this morning.